Hello and welcome to the Bliss Career Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything career. I am your host, Dan Solomon, and in this podcast, I am bringing you interviews with people just like you, people who were once in your shoes. I'm also going to be talking with HR managers as well as people who are experts in their various fields. We have a lot of stuff to unpack today, so please sit tight and relax, and let's get to it then. Hi everyone, my guest today is G1, and he's currently working for Daimler, and he really accepted to come on the show. So thanks a lot, G1, and for coming on the show, and really excited about the conversation we're going to have today, and looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me on board, Dan, and everything that you do, absolutely appreciate it. And if I was a young aspirant trying to get into Germany or trying to build my career, I think this is one resource that I would absolutely recommend. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Awesome. Awesome. So I usually start with some easy stuff to build that up. So let's just start with a great intro. Tell me about yourself, what you're doing at the moment, where you're from, and yeah, and then we'll take it from there. Cool. So I'm Jeevan. I'm a Bangalorean. Uh, it's a city in India. And I'm a computer science engineer, so it's called information technology back home, post which I did my MBA in human resources from an institute called XLRI. And I've worked with organizations such as Unilever, Informatica, Bajaj, and currently I'm in Stuttgart, Germany, working with one of my dream companies, Mercedes-Benz. So apart from all the work that I do, I'm somebody who's passionate about badminton, somebody who's passionate about hiking, and which better place to be in uh, in Europe other than Germany for hiking, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And now that it's summer, I'm really looking forward to a couple of hikes and hopefully the restrictions ease and we can all enjoy right now. Yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting that you're in the right area for that, actually. <laughs> How often do you go hiking? I would say that I've made at least one or two every single month once I've okay. been in Stuttgart. And uh, I think I followed the trend of about one in every three months while I was back in India. So the advantage we have in India is uh, we have something called the Western Ghats, which is a tropical evergreen forest. And this is part of the southwestern part of the country. A thick forest, completely unexplored. And you have a lot of wonderful routes to explore. And I used okay. to go there at least once every three months. I've also done a couple of hikes in the Himalayas up towards the north. And uh, this is the absolute dream for any hiker. And if you want to push your limits even further, of course, you can mountaineer and climb to the base camp of the Everest and the peaks, but I haven't done that. I've stopped that hiking towards the foothills of the Himalayas. And we can talk about this another day. And I can give you a list of all the routes that we can do. And in a sense, these hikes and these experiences I've had while hiking have transformed the way I think and behave. So, yeah. (laughs) That is impressive, right? So whenever I hear people talk about hiking, I'm like, ah, man, hiking. I don't find that. (laughs) I need to develop an interest in that space. But we'll come back to this maybe towards the end. I also will come back to badminton because you also mentioned your interest in badminton. Well, I'll come to this towards the end of the podcast to deep dive a bit on that question. So you also mentioned you studied information technology. I went to your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you also have an MBA. So you did information technology and then you did an MBA. But what caught my interest was that you somehow focused on human resources. Why that shift? I could touch upon that, yeah. So 
I was extremely keen on joining the institute XLRI because it one it was one of the best in, uh, institutes in Asia, especially mm-hmm. for the topic of human resources, and uh, the job opportunities that you get after you having graduated from XLRI are transformative. And I'd spoken and interacted with a few folks who have completed this degree, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed the job positions that they are in today. And I was like, hey, I have a technical background. and a degree in human resources is going to land me towards getting a job of my choice so why not yeah and these are the people i interacted with when i was working with informatica after my engineering degree so okay mm-hmm. these were xlri graduates who i was interacting with just in my first job after my engineering and uh, this interaction shaped the way i thought and yeah. uh, encouraged me to go ahead and pursue this degree and human resources gives you a complete perspective of how an organization functions and behaves yeah on the one hand you're thinking of the technical aspects after your engineering degree you're thinking about all the ways in which you can build wonderful products uh, for the software industry how you can test these products take it to the market and the degree with human resources is going to give you the know-how to make these things happen and get delivered in the real world and what better instruments to work with than human beings and people right they are your biggest resource so yeah. a degree in human resources is going to help you take these products to the market by working with human resources wow wow i like how you make that connection it's also interesting to see how your interest to work in this space really inspire you to take on that so i find that also quite interesting so let's go a bit further so you're from bangalore or you're from india you started in bangalore but i see now that you moved to germany but i'm also interested you didn't do your masters in germany you didn't do your bachelor's in germany but you're currently working in germany how did that happen how did that shift happen did you get a job in india for daimler and then you transferred here or how did that shift happen i'm quite interested to know that yeah interesting question dan and a lot of people ask me this question wondering how i landed in a different part of the world from bangalore without any touch points nor a bridge to this place before yeah. so this is the story Let me just complete my transition with work and my education and then I'll connect the two with how I landed in Germany. Yeah. After having graduated from my information technology, I was working in a company called Informatica. Mm-hmm. Uh, post which I went ahead and did my MBA and my first job after my MBA was with an organization called Bajaj Motorcycles which okay. was which is a leading two-wheeler manufacturing company and one of the largest exporter of two-wheelers in the world. Um and the opportunity with inspire actually came to me as an instagram advertisement right i'm not even kidding so i i didn't go looking out for this opportunity i didn't talk to anyone to give me this it was an instagram ad i was a little conscious in the beginning went ahead and clicked it checked it out but when i saw and read more about the program i was really keen on applying to it the first thing that i did was reached out to people in, uh, in daimler So the Inspire program in the past used to be known as the Career program and okay. uh, it then transformed into what is Inspire today. So I reached out to a lot of folks who've done their career program, I reached out to the first batch of Inspirees, really caught my attention. That's when I thought it's worth applying. I have nothing to lose. I have a comfortable job back in India and if this works out then it's going to be a huge fillip in my career. Let me yeah. go ahead and apply. and as i am i'm somebody who puts in my 100% when i decide to take on a certain activity yeah i just don't do it for the heck of it i choose my activities carefully i'm very frugal that way yeah. in the way i spend my energy so i once i decide that i'm going to apply to the inspire program i put in my everything so right from researching the automobile landscape in europe 
to understanding the automobile landscape in India and contrasting mm-hmm. the two, to understanding the transition that Daimler is undergoing, uh, to understanding why really they've opened up this program to the international audience. Yeah, so you have one of the best talent pools available in Germany. You have really smart instances. Folks from institutes all across Europe. So why really open this up to the world? I try to answer this for myself. I spent a lot of time talking to professors. I spent time talking to people within Daimler, and finally, I came up with my own map. Once I figured this out, yeah, went ahead and made my application. So what I want to say is, I did my groundwork. Once I had my groundwork, the application came through, and they invited me over to Stuttgart, and yeah, here I am today. But there's a story behind a lot of glitches I faced before okay. getting into Stuttgart, and maybe I could tell you that story next. Okay, okay, interesting. One thing I pick from your story is that, first of all, it ads actually do work, right? <laughs> so because this randomly came to you to an ad. And then the second part is that, so you gave in all you have once you came across this program, talking with people, doing your research, and just making sure that you had everything you wanted to apply for this program, which is really find quite interesting. But how, you said you spoke to a lot of people at Daimler, you spoke to a lot of professors. The people you spoke to at Daimler, did you have any connections with them before or how did you make this connection? Was it via LinkedIn or you had some people who were working for the company before that you could reach out to for you to get to know more about the program? Of course, LinkedIn is one of the best networks. I reached out to a lot of folks via LinkedIn. And uh, Daimler has a huge research and development center in Bangalore called MBRDI. And uh, I knew quite a lot of folks from MBRDI, and I built a few connections there as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of interesting projects from Daimler uh, are built in MBRDI. So it's not it's not just some offshore research center where not much gets done. It's, it's one of their key research areas. So I did get quite a lot of information from that place as well. So I would mm-hmm. say LinkedIn and knowing people from MBRDI. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, so good to there. So now that you mentioned Inspire, can you just please tell us what that program is all about? Absolutely. So Inspire itself doesn't have a description that really caught my attention, but three sentences from a CEO who I really look up to. He's called Sachin Bansal, and he's the current CEO of Navi. Mm. Recently put up three statements about young leaders, yeah? And this connects perfectly with what the Inspire program is. And let me just just reiterate those three sentences for you. And then I'll take you through what the Inspire program is all about. Awesome. Number one, he says, give large independent charters to young leaders. Yeah. Number two, he says, give importance to impact regardless of age and prior experience. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on to say, Lack of experience enables first principles thinking and an open mind to experiment. And number three, he says, do not wait for talents to become perfect for the role. Give them the role and let them grow. So these three statements completely summarize the Inspire program for me. They wanted young leaders to come into Daimler and shake up the organization. Here you have a traditional German company with a traditional mindset looking forward to change, right? And what better way to change than get people from different parts of the world with different thought processes and different experiences willing to come in, take on challenges and transform the organization. If you look at the space that Daimler is in right now, there's this competition from all areas. Yeah, You have AI, 
attacking the way people drive. So is it going to be autonomous within five years? Is it going to be autonomous within 10 years? You have dashboards that are getting transformed into infotainment units. So it's not just your speedometers. It's not just your temperature. It's not just your air conditioning. You have an entire infotainment system in front of you. You have a driving experience that is being defined by sound, that is being defined by comfort at a level that you never knew before. And to add to all of this, you have powertrain options like you never did before. So gasoline, is it going to be petroleum? Is it going to be diesel? Uh, is it going to be electric? Is it going to be hydrogen? There's one company screaming for electric, but you do not know what's going to happen. So you have yeah. all that complexity. And all of a sudden, this traditional German company wants mines from different parts of the world to come and solve all these problems. And Inspire gives you the opportunity to work with all these problems have a say or two, take on these challenges and complete it. And that's the Inspire program for you. Uh, maybe we could talk a little more about the structure, but if you yeah. ask me for why it was designed in the first place and the sort of talent it was attracting, this is it. Ah, uh, yeah. So thanks for that good overview. And I like the first three points you mentioned, right? Uh, I need to look that up again just to have a deep dive into that. So I think it's a good transition to the structure. So you've given us a good umbrella of the program. How is this structured? How long do you stay in the program? And what is the aim of this of the program after you finish it up? Got it. So all of this information is available in the public domain. So the, the program spans for about a period of 24 months. This is due to change. They give you the opportunity to have rotations across different departments in the organization. Mm. Uh, so you could you could have a stint in the finance department. You could have a stint with human resources. You could have a stint with IT. But of course, you need to prioritize and strategize where you spend your time. And this should be in alignment with where you want to go next. Because okay. the network that you build during this program is going to lead into the final opportunity that you take on. And the kind of people that you meet are going to influence the kind of jobs that you finally want. Because effectively, it could be the best problem to solve. Uh, it could be the most challenging. But if it's not fun to work with these bunch of people, you're not going to have fun working. That's going to lead to a very terrible output. So the Inspire program gives you a chance to get to know all these people and the different projects across different domains and finally take a call for yourself. I would call this a marriage, yeah? A marriage between you and a marriage between the requirements in the, of the company. And if the two of them click, then you have a great yeah, yeah. target position. Okay, okay. So there is no specific area you go in. So you go in and then you decide, okay, what do I want to achieve at the end and what can help me to get there? If understood it right. That's correct. At least in its current form, mm -hmm. the Inspire Leaders Lab program doesn't have a specific function. There are other Inspire programs, the ones that are being offered by trucks and buses. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one being offered by the Mobility Services side. There's yeah. another expert track by the trucks and buses stream. But I'm talking about the Inspire Leaders Lab program. Mm -hmm. And this one doesn't really bound you or bind you to any specific function. So it's a Genman program with opportunities across. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So thank you one for that. There's one more question I want to ask you about this program before we move on. And please just tell me what you're allowed to talk about it in terms of the interview process. So you told me you came through this through an ad, you did your research, what are the, the challenges of the, let's put it in the automotive industry, and then you zoom into Daimler. And from there, how did you do that to go from sending your application to the final round when you got the offer? 
Got it. So let me put it into boxes and let's mm-hmm. not get into the details of what's in the box, but I'll try to break it down. Yeah. yeah. So up first, you have an online application process. The typical process, you submit your CV, you submit your cover letter, and then you have a few quantitative rounds. You have a few psychometric rounds. They really assess whether you have the aptitude to take on this program. That's what mm-hmm. they're assessing in the initial phase. So once that happens, you get into phase two. And during phase two is when they evaluate your CV as well as your cover letter rigorously, because this isn't a management training program like a lot of other programs where you do your projects and at the end of the day, you have a target position and you take that on. They are really looking for people to take on big jobs. Big jobs come with a lot of responsibility and they want to know if you're willing to adapt to this responsibility. So this sort of evaluation happens during the second phase. And once you clear this, they invite about 30 to 40 people across the world to what they call the Recruitathon. And this happened in Stuttgart. Of course, this is bound to change. I'm talking about my experience and how it was during my times. So the Recruitathon is essentially a three-day process. And this is where you really dive deep into understanding the candidate and the company. So... As with any assessment center, you have a lot of interviews, you have a lot of group discussions and tasks that vary, but essentially it's an opportunity for both the company and you to get to know each other at a personal level. Mm-hmm. And of course, one thing that I really appreciate is that they call you up immediately after the three-day process and they convey the result. And unlike okay. your other podcast applicants who had to wait for two weeks or three weeks before <laughs> their results were announced, I was happy enough to get the results the very next day. And that, that's one of the things that I'm extremely happy about Daimler, yeah? Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. Why to have this really quick turnover? So one personal question to you. What do you think made you stand out? I, I think on this question, I need to tell you a short story that I told okay. you I would get back to. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't an easy journey that it seemed like an Instagram ad. You click, uh, you travel from Bangalore to Stuttgart and you crack a company and there you have it. It, it wasn't an easy journey. Uh, this started off in Dece- December 2018. So this was when I first made my application. Three months later, I figured out that my visa gets rejected. So here I am an opportunity of a lifetime and my visa gets rejected and I do not get to travel. The first thing that I do is I I do not panic. I I do not frantically call the HR and say, what's happened? Uh, I've lost this out. You guys need to do something about it. I do none of that. I just drop them a note and I say, can you call me back? And on this conversation, when they call me back, I said, thanks for the opportunity. I've had a great uh, experience on your online platform. Your visa consultants have helped me out to the ability that I can. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. Let's keep in touch. I really like this program. And if there's an application process open again, I'm going to apply because my route doesn't end here with Daimler. This is a place where I really want to be. And I hang up. So it's a pivot, right? Instead of expressing my frustration, I use this as an opportunity to have more face time with the recruiting group. So now they know there's a guy called Jeevan who was supposed to arrive. His visa, unfortunately, got rejected. And he's a guy who really wants this. So instead of being the guy who didn't turn up, I was all of a sudden a guy who wanted this, but unfortunately couldn't get there. So the second part of the story, I was supposed to travel next in April 2019. So a couple of months later, I again applied, got the opportunity, was selected to the recruitathon, was supposed to apply. On the day of flying, I get to the counter and the lady at the British Airways counter tells me that I cannot fly. Yeah. Like, what? So, so what's happening now? I, I have my visa and I, I have enough money in my account if that's what you're worried about. So why yeah. can't you let me fly? 
she tells me that I do not have a transit visa to transit via London to Stuttgart, albeit for a 30-minute duration. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm gutted. Okay, again, I sit down. I do not get frustrated. I evaluate what I want to do. And just to set the context, it was 2 a.m. in the morning. Easier said than done, not to get yeah. frustrated and angry, but I sit there because frustration would lead to nothing. And I phrase this positive undercurrent. Yeah. Mm. Undercurrent is something that's a negative experience. And I phrase what, what is called positive undercurrent. And this is something that's always with you. So yeah. all you have to do is access it. So I sat there, accessed my positive undercurrent, and I figured out that, hey, I want this. Let's figure out solutions on how I want to get there. So there's an issue with a transit visa. Or there's an issue with British Airways. So what are the flights that are available? So there was an Air India flight available one hour later. Since I was already at the airport, I didn't have to worry too much about travel and immigration since I could just book this ticket and fly. Yeah. But there was one issue. So did I have a credit card? And would it get maxed out if I booked this ticket? And since it was going to be expensive, would Daimler reimburse me? Okay, so these are questions that could be answered later. later. And knowing Daimler, I think they're a company that they would reimburse you for such uh, issues, right? So again, this is where you connect with the ethos of the organization. So I went ahead and booked that flight, not worrying too much about the connections from Frankfurt to Stuttgart, etc. And you must know that this is my first time to Europe. I haven't really been there before. And this worked for me. I finally landed in Stuttgart after all these hassles. Yeah. And you asked me, right? I answered, I, I gave you the story because you asked me the question of how, what helped you stand out. And I think what helped me stand out was perseverance and my, my attitude towards getting there at any cost and solving it with patience and positivity. So this is what helped me stand out. And of course, you still got to do your interviews. You still got to do your presentations. Uh, but that intent is what really worked. A lot of people ask me, so what's most important for an interview? So how do you dress? How do you enter? How do you make an impact? But the answer lies at the interfaces of the interview. And I think a lot of your podcast participants have mentioned this as well. And what lies in the interface is what happens before an interview and what happens after the interview. You spend so much time trying to ace that interview that you tend to ignore the interfaces. And I think people who typically crack jobs and get their final positions are the ones who focus on these interfaces. And what do I mean by these interfaces? It's trying to get to know the panel even before you enter the interview room. It's trying to exude confidence and trying to prepare even before you get into the interview room. And it's trying to understand the problems that the organization is facing and why they are opening up a particular application before they even ask you these questions. Mm. And what's at the other end of the interface? It's the fact that you're grateful. It's the fact that you're thankful for the experience and it's the fact that you're taking something away from the interview. Yeah. So you're at the end of the day, you're spending a good two to two to three months to prepare for the process and you're yeah. spending a good one or two days at the location. So are you taking something back? So after the Inspire program, I took back the concept of time boxing and I made it aware to them about the concept of time boxing. So, hey, folks, it's not just you trying to get me. I get a lot from you as well. And I think it's a symbiotic relationship. And yes. this has to be made obvious to them. So if you can crack the interfaces, you get the job. And I think this was one of the ways uh, in which I stood out during this process. Wow. What a roller coaster. I'm just imagining going through your thought process when all this stuff happened. So first of all, the visa rejection, the rejection from British Airways for you to fly. And I'm sure you're like, wait, why is this happening to me? But there's one thing that really impressed, right? And I think you labeled it very well, the positive undercurrent. 
I just like how calm and solution focused you are. So, okay, hey, G1, this cannot happen. So you cannot fly because ABC. But you remain calm and say, okay, okay, what next can I do? How can I circumvent this? This is what I really want. How can I make sure that I really get it? Why remaining calm? I think this is something that maybe you might not realize also within the interview or during the interview really also made you stand out. I can imagine being in an assessment center with tons, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 people, but you remaining calm, remaining solution focused, in my opinion, also added to you standing out. So impressive stuff. And thanks for sharing this with us because I don't know how I would have reacted to such situations. And really thank you for sharing this with all of us because it's something that always happens and, and that we cannot run away from. That's true, Dan. And uh, one of the goals of the Inspire program was to hire young leaders. And at the end of the day, how do you define a young leader, especially in the context of a mobility company? It was number one, of course, passion for mobility because you're entering the automobile industry. Number two, it's the willingness to change. And of course, number three, a maturity and a sense of calm to handle turmoil because that's what leadership is all about. You have to firefight every single day. You have new situations coming up. The stuff that you've learned for years on end in your undergraduate degree, the stuff that you mentioned about your postgraduate degree, it counts for nothing if you can't stay calm in the face of adversity, right? So yeah. this is how they measure maturity. And I think if you can crack or demonstrate maturity during these interviews, it would really work for you. Yeah, and I wanted to share a few more thoughts with you. I was just trying to think of everything that I had missed out in the past that I had probably known today uh, mm -hmm. in order to actually crack these interviews. Yeah, it was number one, uh, the willingness to journal every single day. And I think okay. we take it for granted as kids when our English teachers and our professors used to ask us to maintain a diary and note down our experiences for the day. Mm -hmm. We ignore it and we dismiss it off as routine tasks. But one of the biggest lessons for me, especially now, is your impact at work or your impact as a leader is clearly defined by self-reflection. It's clearly defined by how you know yourself. That's the only way you can handle people outside. Yeah. And journaling really helps you. So if, if folks listening, you get a chance, please continue <laughs> journaling. The second point that I wanted to share is the amount of time you need to invest in getting yourself a personal mentor. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times you feel that this, this connection is going to happen magically when you join the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the hard fact is that it does not. And you have to put in the effort to, to seek out that mentor. Yeah. And, and once you get that mentor, they're going to help you for the rest of your career. And it's a relationship you're going to cherish. So journal, put an effort to get yourself a mentor. Yeah, I, I think these two points are, if I had known them before, I would have probably done what I have a lot quicker and with a lot less trouble. Yeah, yeah. The journey part, I'm taking notes here on the journey part. I'm going to start doing that myself. <laughs> That's a good tip. For the mentoring part, I'm going to combine that with networking at some point before we end the conversation. But before we go, right, there, there are some points I want to really reiterate that you mentioned that really caught my attention the interfaces, what happens before the interview and what happens after the interview. So this you stress a lot and I think is also very important. We talked about also making sure that you know the problem that the company is trying to solve by putting that job ad out there in the first place. And knowing that and then saying, okay, how can I as an individual come into this space and help them solve that problem? 
And for you to mention this, it also goes back to your thought process, being very solution focused. A company has this problem. How can I help them solve it? You have the problem at the airport. How can I get out of this? And then the next one now you said about being grateful, whatever way the situation goes. You get the job, you don't get the job. There are some hiccups at the end. You're still very grateful for the experience. You got the rejection, the visa rejection. You still spoke to HR and told them, thank you for the experience. Thank you for this. I am somebody who is really interested in the job. Of course, if something comes up later in the future, I am open for this. So thanks a lot, G1, for, for bringing this up, because I think this is something we always miss out. Sometimes we say, okay, I will get a rejection and we're all sad and annoyed and angry. And, and forget that we can still build up these relationships for future opportunities to come by staying present in the minds of these recruiters or HR personnel. So really great tips here and, and a lot of stuff to take away. So we're getting close to the end of the interview, but I'm really having a great conversation here. Let me ask you what, I know you've mentioned a lot of stuff around this, but is that anything that you know today outside of, for example, you mentioned journaling networking, is that anything that you know today that you wish you would have known back then while starting up your career that you want to share with us? Maybe just one other point that I want to share with you. I call this way of communication, the upward triangle versus the inverted triangle. Okay. This typically helps in interviews as well as the conversations you hold casually. So the inverted triangle way of communicating is when you set a lot of context, is when you set the background story. And mm-hmm. at the end of this, you come to the point and explain what you're talking about. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff that happens and leads up to the final point and you finally communicate the final point. This works sometimes. And what's the other way of communicating? You communicate what the point is. So folks, why am I here? Get to the point. And then you describe why that point makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because when someone cuts you off right in the middle, you've already made your biggest point and you've already gotten to the point. But in the inverted triangle, when someone cuts you off in the middle, you haven't gotten to the final point and you haven't yeah. said the most important piece. Mm-hmm. Why do I say this? Uh, in most of the interviews that you attend, in, most, in many situations in life, the folks that you interact with are extremely smart. I think as people, we tend to overestimate our abilities a lot of times and yeah. underestimate the abilities of others. But we need to recognize that there are extremely smart people out there and extremely smart people catch points quickly. Great. So one of the reasons I mentioned this is because it's been a lifelong learning for me to get to the point a lot quicker. And this is something that I'm going to practice. And if I knew this a lot earlier, I would have invested my energy in doing this. And yeah, this is something that I, if I'd known earlier, I would have been a lot more beneficial. So start with the upward triangle way of communicating. And there are multiple other things. Yeah. But this is one of the things that I wanted to leave your audience with. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. And I like points. I used to work in consulting and in consulting, we have a, a way of framing our slides. And the first thing you do in the slide is you have the action title and the action title should be independent that if someone is to read the action title, he gets everything from your slide. He doesn't need to read the slide. The action title could be by 2025, the EV industry or the electric vehicle industry will be 30% of the automobile industry. So by reading that, you already know that, hey, by 2025, for example, 30% of cars in the market will be electric vehicles. You now go into the slide to now see the details. Why is this person making such a bold statement? So this does summarize that perfectly. And thanks for bringing it up because 
if you do that, you make your points clear and then you now go into detail. If due to one or two reasons, you are not able to continue the conversation, you will really put out your main point. Great stuff, great stuff. A lot of learning today, G1, from having this conversation with you. Thanks a lot for bringing that up. One last question before I move to my last hobby. Uh, <laughs> question with you. I've been keeping this question to the end and I like that you mentioned it. So you said, okay, finding mentors. So this is something within the company or also the company, but I think you are alluding to also within the company because this will help your career grow to levels that you wouldn't really anticipate. Now, that's finding mentors as one point and networking as another point. Can you please tell me, how are you doing this within your company? How are you staying relevant and making sure that you're meeting people, you're networking with people within your company just to know, hey, what are you doing? What could be possible options going forward? How are you doing that? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Yeah, And I, I think it becomes all the more relevant during the pandemic because you yeah. aren't in a position to get to the office space and all of a sudden you're left with your laptop and it's very easy to get into your shell. Yeah, yeah. You are in your own little Florentia. You aren't really talking to anyone and all of a sudden you're lost. Networking becomes crucial. It becomes important. And especially in an organization like Daimler, which is massive, yeah. you got to be heard and you got to seek. The word, important word here is seeking. When you need a certain piece of information, you go out and seek. And when you need help, you go out and seek again. One important way that I approach networking is to treat it as a living organism. And just like any living organism, it needs mm. nurturing. So when you have a network, recognize that it's a living entity and that you need to nurture it. One of the things that I do is a typical catch-up call, a crosstalk, is to let them know that this is the stuff that I'm working on. I hear that you have a similar problem. So, hey, anytime, let me know if I can reach out. So a lot of times networking is not just about seeking and yeah. asking what you need, but offering and letting them know that your services are up for avail. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of the things that's worked for me. The fact that I can help and I'm making it evident to them really helps me stand out. Uh, the second thing that I do is uh, touch base with folks outside from my organization. And I'm really, I make it a point to talk to folks who are not just in the auto industry, but folks from outside. And this gives you a lot of perspective on the yeah. way they are approaching. So for example, let me give you a small story about what happened with uh, a new feature that Tinder launched. Yeah. And okay. this was something that I caught on from a conversation with a friend. They recently launched a feature called, are you sure when you're about to send an inappropriate message to mm -hmm. somebody you just swiped with, how does Tinder come up with the, are you sure tag? Uh, are they going through thousands of messages and then classifying them as appropriate and inappropriate, and then giving you this pop-up? We recently figured out later that they had another feature about a year back called does this bother you on the opposite side of the party okay right? yeah the opposite side of the party used to flag messages as yes it does bother me or no it doesn't bother me so tinder already had a huge pool of messages that were classified in the background and then they could use this sort of messaging to improve the product for the entire community mm -hmm. um, so this sort of thinking why do i mention this so you could take this very example and try to implement it in your interactions with the dashboards the user interacts with in your car every single day. And this is 
transfer learning, right? You're taking yeah. stuff from the other industry and putting it right here. And when you can start deploying transfer learning across the industry, it's when you value networking. It's when you know that, hey, it makes sense for me to talk to people outside the outside. organization. Yeah. So I've benefited from talking to people outside. I still do. And I think it's going to help. So networking is not just about within the organization. It's about outside and the stuff that we are doing today as well as Dan. I'm sure we're going to stay in touch in the future. And if I have some important information I need from BSF, classified information, I'm going to reach (laughs) out to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think networking gives you a broader perspective and which is why it's important. And when you know it's important, you put in the effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jiwon. Last question, badminton. Uh, <laughs> I told you, I told you, I was gonna come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Why badminton? On, How did you come to it? <laughs> on to badminton. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people in Germany assume that Indians are born with a badminton racket in their hands. So the minute they <laughs> question they ask you is, "Hey, so do you play badminton?" Yeah, of course. I started playing badminton when I was really young. I moved on to basketball during my high school days, but then I couldn't find a lot of courts back in Germany. So switched back to badminton. There's a really nice club called MTV Stuttgart, yeah, towards the western part of Stuttgart. Tried a couple of clubs, uh, found these guys to be really welcoming and friendly and uh, a lot of competition as well helps me improve. And I spent a good amount of time, uh, literally Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturday evenings playing badminton until the pandemic shut us down and yeah, it helps you unwind, helps you sweat, helps you de-stress. And I think it's a good hobby to have. And it's an agile sport. Yeah? You keep moving yeah. on the court left, right all the time. So it keeps yeah. you on your toes. And I really enjoy badminton. And the minute the court's open again, I'm going to be going to go back on Saturdays. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did try badminton. Sometimes I'm like, wait, why? You know, it always feels like it's a very slow sport. That is really false. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think Not it requires true. to be extremely quick. Yeah. <laughs> we should play sometime that a different yeah. perspective again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice. Interesting stuff. So do you want, is that something that you want to share with us that I didn't ask you today as we close this session? Anything um, as a patent gift? I've really enjoyed the conversation and you gave us really insightful stuff. And I like how self-reflective you are, how calm you are how very solution-focused you are. And for me, one word that I want to take out here is also the positive, I think you called it... Um, positive uh, undercurrent. Positive undercurrent. That is the one I was looking for, positive undercurrent. I like that framing. I'm really going to take, take that out of this conversation as well. But is there anything that you want to share with us today that I didn't ask you? Maybe I missed it, but you say, okay, yeah, this is your parting gift for us <laughs> as we go, uh, as we close this conversation. I'll be very interested to hear that. I think we've touched upon most of the points that I wanted to share, right from uh, enjoying the time at work to having a lifelong learning mindset, to respecting the interfaces of the interview, to recognizing that a network is a living organism and to communicating more sharply and in an upward triangle fashion. I think I've communicated all that I wanted to. There's just one sentence that I wanted to leave you with. It's that be receptive to cues around you. Always be receptive to cues Mm -hmm. around you. And it guides the way and it guides the path. I was receptive to this opportunity. I clicked on that Instagram ad, followed it up with absolute effort. I was receptive to a lot of things that have come my way. And I think you need to keep your eyes and ears open and be sensitive. And only then can you ride the wave that 
that is called life so i think if you are receptive to things uh, you'll be able to ride this wave and enjoy your whole experience a lot better thank you juan be receptive to cues around you i'm putting all you have to get it thanks a lot again very much appreciated thank yeah. you so much for having me bye bye thank you once again for listening to today's episode if you got any value from this podcast please hit the subscribe button to stay updated when new episodes are published oh and remember sharing is caring share the podcast with a friend to make sure he or she is not missing out and as always you can find all the tools and the templates you need on blisscareer.de until then i wish you a wonderful time ahead bye bye and stay safe